forgot somehow today, first time in, I don't even remember how long, forgot my Bible at work, and I got a Bible here with tiny little print on it, so I can barely see it, so give me a break, okay, if I take a little bit to read. Um, amen. Um, <clears throat> before we start, let's, uh, let's pray and ask God to speak to us tonight. God, we come before you, Lord, and we, we need you, God. We need to hear your word. God, we need your word in our hearts because your word is that daily bread that builds us up, it feeds us. And God, we pray that you would correct us today by your word. God, we pray that by your word you would build us up. God, that you would give us revelation, God, that you would give us direction, God, that you would give us correction tonight. Lord, we need your word, God, to, to, to lead us, God, every day in our lives, God. And today, God, let your word come, God. Let your word fall on good ground tonight. Let it produce a harvest, 30, 60, and 100 fold. God, open up every ear to hear your word, God. And, and Lord, speak through me tonight, God, to, to let your word, God, let it be alive tonight. Lord, in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. So tonight, uh, I wanted to talk about something, uh, and I don't know if you guys have ever heard of these group of people. Uh, so I'm going to ask you guys, and I don't know if anybody... It's in the Bible, and let's, let's see if you guys know. Does anybody know who the Rechabites were? The Rechabites. Raise your hand if you know, if you know for sure who the Rechabites were. All right, we got like three, four people. All right. Uh, okay, so the Rechabites. We're going we're gonna to go back. I know you guys didn't st- start school yet, but it's going to be an early, early start to school. Uh, if you open up to Jeremiah 35, we're going we're gonna to learn about the Rechabites today. The Rechabites uh, they're a group of people, and they were very a very interesting group of people, and we're going to learn. You guys are going to be Isaiah 35, starting from, or sorry, I'm Jeremiah 35, starting from verse 1. You guys are going to be learned today about the Rechabites. All right, uh, Jeremiah 35, and starting from verse 1. <clears throat> This is the message the Lord gave Jeremiah when Jehoiakim, son of Josiah, was king of Judah. Go to the settlement where the families of the Rechabites live and invite them to the Lord's temple. Take them into one of the inner rooms and offer them some wine. So I went to see Jezaniah, son of Jeremiah, and grandson of Habazaniah, and all his brothers and sons, representing all the Rechabite families. I took them to the temple, and we went into the room assigned to the sons of Hanan, son of Igdaliah, a man of God. This room was located to the one used by the temple officials directly above the room of Messiah, whatever, son of Shalom, the temple gatekeeper. I set cups and jugs of wine before them and invited them to have a drink, but they refused. No, they said. We don't drink wine because our ancestor, Jehonadab, son of Rechab, gave us this command. You and your descendants must never drink wine and do not build houses or plant crops or vineyards, but always live in tents. If you follow these commands, you will live long, good lives in the land. So we have obeyed him in all these things. We have never had a drink of wine to this day, nor have our wives, our sons, or our daughters. Um, so, the Rechabites. Uh, this is a group of people very much similar to the Nazarites. The Nazarites were also, they were uh, like, uh, uh, there were people that, was, that were separated. If you want to become a Nazarite, you were supposed to be separated unto God. You're supposed to not drink wine. 
Uh, you can't touch a dead body. You can't, there's a bunch of things that you couldn't do. And then the Rechabites, they were a different group of people. Now, we look here in, in uh, the 35th chapter. It looks like they're part of Israel, right? It looks like they are, uh, like they're just a, a tribe of Levite or, or, I mean, a section of the Levites or something. But the Rechabites were not even a part of Israel. Uh, the Rechabites were, uh, they were, um, I don't know, if, do you guys know who Jethro is? Anybody know who Jethro? He is Moses' father-in-law, okay? So Jethro, his, Moses' father-in-law, the Rechabites were, uh, they were descended from the Kenites, K-E-N-I-T-E-S, Kenites. So the Rechabites were part of the Kenites, or they came from the Kenites. They weren't even uh, part of Israel. Uh, so it's interesting, what are they doing in Israel in the first place, and what, what are they about? They're, they're a very interesting group of people because they did not belong to Israel. They were not part of, uh, you could say, they weren't part of God's chosen people. They, it, they, weren't, um, they didn't have the covenant promise. God didn't give them the promise. But we see them in the 35th chapter. We see them in the temple. And God is, uh, they had a deal with one of their uh, with one of their ancestors. His name was Jehonadab. Is that, is that how you say it? Jehonadab? Jehonadab, yes, I said it right. Now, Jehonadab, uh, it says in the, uh, let's see, the sixth verse, uh, second part, they said, no, they said, we don't drink wine because our ancestor, Jehonadab, son of Rechab, gave us this command. So this is a group of people, the Rechabites, were a group of people that their ancestor, Jehonadab, told them to not drink wine or move into houses or build farms or build uh, vineyards or plant crops. And he gave, he gave this for a reason. So this is a really kind of a really interesting situation. And Jeremiah, he comes up to them and he says, listen, uh, I want you guys to drink wine. He offers them wine, gives them, you know, puts it on the table. Can you imagine a man of God, you're in church and a man of God brings you some, some alcohol, says, listen, drink some of this. this. Just drink it. And it, it'd be kind of interesting to see what, 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 uh, what kind of a reaction most people would have. It's, you know, it's, it's, the, it's not just a man of God. This is Jeremiah. He was the man of God. This was prophet, you know, and this is probably the guy that's closest to God. And, and he offers them wine and he says, just drink it. And what do they say? They say, no, we're not going to drink it. Uh, it says, but they refused. So they said no. So they had something. There was something about them. And we're going to go into the story. And let's look at who Jehonadab was. Jehonadab was their ancestor who told them not to do this. Uh, if you open up, keep your finger or something. Keep, keep a bookmark there. And open up to uh, 2 Kings chapter 10. Open up 2 Kings chapter 10. And we're going to see a little bit of a background on Jehonadab. 2 Kings chapter 10. Oh, come on. I barely hear any Bibles flipping. Hope you guys got at least iPad or something. It's a good sound to hear when all the pages are turning and it's quiet. Um, 2 Kings chapter 10, and this is the story about Jehonadab. Uh, in verse 15, when Jehu left there, he met Jehonadab, son of Rechab, who was coming to meet him. After they had greeted each other, Jehu said to him, are you as loyal to me as I am to you? Yes, I am, Jehonadab replied. If you are, Jehu said, then give me your hand. So Jehonadab put out his hand, and Jehu helped him into, his, into the chariot. Then Jehu said, Now come with me and see how devoted I am to the Lord. 
so Jehonadab rode along with him. So Je- Jehonadab, he was, uh, as I said before, he was not part of Israel. He was just a guy, and Jehu was a king of Israel. And he says, and God gave Jehu a command. He said, go and kill all the prophets of Baal. Go and he's, he told him to, to destroy the house of uh, Jezebel. And he said, go and kill all the prophets of Baal. And so Jehonadab, uh, this is a guy that comes along with Jehu. And he was not a part of Israel. You could say that Israel really, uh, why does he care if there's Baal worship in Israel? Why does he care about these things? He's not even part of them. But the, the Kenites, uh, or this, this, uh, this tribe, they, they were always around Israel. They were always somewhere close to them. They would always camp near them. A couple times in the Bible they're mentioned in a couple different locations. And they're, they're, they're just a tribe that is loyal to Israel, and they know God. And even in the Old Testament, we see that people that, were not is- that, people that weren't part of Israel, they knew God. They, they, uh, and the, these were people that they, they would always follow Israel around. And this was a man of God, Jehonadab. He, he, was, he, was, for, uh, he was for holiness. His, uh, he, he hated Baal worship because he joins Jehu. And what do they do? Him and Jehu, they go out and they ride they, they get on the chariot, and they go, and they have this plan. And their plan is to kill all the prophets of Baal. And Jehu says, he tells, uh, he tells all the Baal worshipers, he sends out a message. He said, listen, Ahab didn't worship Baal like I'm going to worship him. He said, look, I'm going to worship Baal like he's never been worshipped before. Everyone, come on, let's go. Let's meet in one spot, and we're going to worship Baal. And so his plan was to get them all in one spot, to give them all the same clothes, and then they know who the prophets of Baal were, and then they were going to kill them. And so Jehonadab goes along with, with Jehu, and, and, they, and that's what they do. They, they, they get them all in one spot. They close the doors. They put soldiers around there, and they know that all the Baal worshipers are there, every single one of them. And they go and they kill them, and then they go and destroy uh, the temple of Baal. So they, Jehonadab was a man that, that, that hated uh, idol worship. He was, he was a man of holiness. And, but he saw something. He, he saw that there was something in Israel that was not right. And even though they killed all the prophets of Baal, he saw that something in Israel was not right. He, he, he saw that, that, uh, that, something was going, that something was off. That even though they killed all the prophets of Baal, that Israel was far from God. And he saw that and, and, and he made uh, like a decision. He made a radical decision. He made uh, a drastic decision. He decided, you know what, I'm going to make... A command. I'm gonna give my uh, my descendants a command. I'm gonna I'm gonna lay down some rules so that we do not stray away from God. He saw that there was something something was coming that was not right. And then 200 years later, um, that's where we are in Jeremiah uh, 35. This is 200 years after his descendants. Uh, Jeremiah gets him into into a room, and he and he puts wine before him. He says, "Drink." Now, I believe that God was testing them. I, I don't think God was tempting. It says in, in James, it says that God doesn't tempt people. He tests us. And, and, you know, when we have temptation in our life, that's not God. God doesn't tempt us. He can't tempt us. It's the devil that brings temptation to our lives. But God will test us. And God was testing them. I believe he knew that they were not going to drink that wine. I believe he knew that they, that they had uh, something in them that was different than everybody else. And uh, so let's, let's, let's look at what they said. They said uh, in, verse, in verse 7, actually, 
It says in verse 8, So we have obeyed him in all these things. We have never had a drink of wine to this day, nor have, we, nor have our wives, our sons, or our daughters. We haven't built houses or owned vineyards or farms or planted crops. We have lived in tents and have fully obeyed all the commands of Jehonadab, our ancestor. But when King Nebuchadnezzar of Babylon at- attacked this country, we were afraid of Babylon and, Syri- and the Syrian armies, so we decided to move to Jerusalem. That's why we are here. <clears throat> so he, he said, listen, guys, for the future... Our family, we are not going to drink wine. We're not going to build houses. We're not going to plant crops, no vineyards. Uh, and you wonder why. Why this sudden change? Why this radical decision? No houses, no, no wine, no, no, uh, no crops, no vineyards. This is, this is what they live. This is their life right here. This is, uh, you know, if they didn't plant crops, if they didn't plant vineyards, they would have no money because they would use that to sell it. They would use it to live off of it. So he's saying, he, he's saying, listen, our lives are, going, are not going to be like everybody else's. He said, our lives are going to be different. We're not going to be the same. We're not made of the same material. We're, we're not the same as everybody else. Because he saw that, that Israel, they, they were going off. They were going off in the wrong direction. He knew that if they were to do the same things that everybody else was doing, he knew that something was, that they were going to join in with them. And, you know, I believe that, that this it represents a comfortable Christianity. Uh, you know, drinking wine, just have fun, relax, you know, uh, take it easy, just enjoy yourself, drink some wine, you know, relax, uh, have some fun. You know, build, build a house, plant, plant vineyards, plant, uh, you know, have, have some success, have a good job, have a lot of money, have, have, this, have this American dream. And I, I believe he saw that in the future. He, he could see that, that this was not right, that, that they were going to go off, that, that they would not serve God if they continued in the same way as everybody else did. He, he could see that, that something was not right. And he knew that he, he had to make a decision. Either we're going to serve God, either we're going to serve God and, and not have the comforts of this life, or we're going to be like everybody else and, and our hearts are going to be away from God. So there was a decision that, that he had to make. And he said, that's what, he said, that's what I'm going to do. I'm going to, lay, I'm going to lay down this rule that we are not going to do what, what the other people are doing. And, you know, this, I believe, it, it, it talks about a comfortable Christianity that costs nothing. I, I believe it talks about a comfortable Christianity that has no price with it, that, that feels good, that there is no... There is no uh, price tag on it. There's no, um, there's no cost. There's no cost to, to your worship. Your, your Christianity is cheap. It means nothing. It's easy. It's, it's fun. There's, there's nothing that, that there's no suffering. You have, you know, and we see that today. We see this kind of a Christianity that has uh, mixed in with it uh, an American dream, a, a desire for more, a desire for, for more riches, a desire for, for greater. You know, Jesus said that there's thorns, uh, or when, when he said that the seed is going to fall on soil, and there's thorns with it. And the thorns represent the lure of wealth and the things of the world. Uh, and and th- that's what happens, you see, when Christians, when they have this, uh, this kind of, this comfortable Christianity. It's the lure of wealth. It's, it's the... Uh, the, the, nece- the necessity for things. It's, it's you feeling comfortable as a Christian. And, and you know, a Christianity that costs nothing, it means nothing. 
if if it, if it costs if a Christian if Christianity costs us nothing, it is is worthless. Really, that's what it is, and it does nothing. And and see, that's what he saw. He saw this Christianity that was going to be a worthless. Well, you know, it's, maybe it's not a Christianity, but they the, the Israelites they were following God, but he saw that their hearts were not after God. He he knew that they they were they went through the lip service. We read, we read in Isaiah, couple, uh, I believe yesterday, that they had, they had lip service. Their hearts were far from God, but they honored him with their lips. And he saw that kind of, that kind of lifestyle coming, and he said, no, we can't do that. And, and that's where a Christianity or, or a, uh, a following after God that costs nothing and means nothing. You know, you know what the difference is between something that costs us? Uh, you know what the difference is? Is when we have joy, when we have the joy of the Lord. Because the joy of the Lord doesn't come by... Uh, by, by having a comfortable Christianity. It doesn't come. It's the, the joy of the Lord, because, because when you're living in a comfortable Christianity, uh, you have, you know, you, you're, you're, you're okay with, with having a little bit of, you know, how to say it right? Like, you know, you, have, you find happiness in worldly things, or you find happiness in Facebook. You find happiness in, you know, in your friends or, or, or you know, in other things. But when, when Christianity costs you something, you have the joy of the Lord. When, when your Christianity costs you something, it, it's worth something. And, and inside of you, you know that that's something, you have something that, that, that is not what other people have, and, and, and it excites you. And, uh, you know, it's like when, when you have the joy of the Lord, you'll be willing to dance before God. You'll, you'll, you'll dance before the Lord. And, you know, in church and, and not, not in church, you'll dance at home. You know, does anybody does anybody know what, what I'm talking about? When you when you have when you have joy in God, you know, you'll come to church and it's good, but you'll come home. It's like it's like when David said uh, that he danced before the Lord, and and his wife said, "Oh, you you embarrassed yourself in front of all the servant girls." You and he said, "You you didn't even see anything yet. You 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 didn't see nothing yet. I I, didn't, I haven't even." begun to display how much I love God and that that's what that's what that kind of Christianity when it costs you something you have the joy of God and you'll be willing to you know you'll be up at midnight dancing before God because because it's it costs you something and and that's how much you love God and and we see you know we see a Christianity that 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 is uh, so cheap and and it, it there's no joy in it there's there's no life in it there's no it's not real and and the the Rechabites there were people that, that it was Christianity or, or following after God, it meant something to them. It was, it was alive in them. And, you know, the question becomes, well, so what, what do we do? Do we move out like they did into the desert and, and kind of stay there for, you know, for, for days and that, that's, that's how we live? And, uh, and that, that's not, we know that's not the solution. And we know that in the Old Testament, being devoted to God, it was outwardly. It was don't eat this, don't drink this, go here, don't go here, don't touch this, don't wear this, put this on this. And, and today there's, there's a new, it's, 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 it's not external, it's internal. It's, it's inside of us. It's, there's, it's something in our heart. And so the question becomes, how do we, uh, how do we live a Christian? How do we have the joy in the Lord? How do we have the real thing? How do we have the real Christianity and yet live among a people? Uh, you know how, it's, how Jesus said, live, live in the world, in the world, but not of it. And, and the Rechabites, they moved out completely. They were, they were gone and, and they didn't have nothing. They, they weren't part of it at all. And they, they kept themselves pure. But what about us? We, we, live, we live in a world, uh, you know, that has these things. We live in a, in a uh, 
you know, in an information age, and we, we have media all around us. We have Facebook, and we have, we have friends and people at school, people at work, cursing and, and talking, you know, and, and they, we, we hear it all the time, and we're being bombarded by different information, different things are being thrown at us, uh, you know, that we have, you know, people, people tell us how we should live, how we should dress, and we have this thing. And so how do we stay pure? How do we uh, keep ourselves like the Rechabites did? How do we keep ourselves pure and holy and not be defiled by what everybody else is defiled? And, and how, how do we do that? What, what is the secret? And I believe later uh, it says in verse 12, Then the Lord gave this message to, to Jeremiah. This is what the Lord of heaven armies, the God of Israel, says. Go and say to the people of Judah and Jerusalem, Come and learn a lesson about how to obey me. The Rechabites do not drink wine to this day because their ancestor Jehonadab told them not to. But I have spoken to you again and again and you refuse to obey me. Time after time I sent prophets who told you, Turn from your wicked ways and start doing things right. Stop worshiping other gods so that you might live in peace here in the land I have given you and your ancestors to you and to and your ancestors. But you would not listen to me or obey me. Verse 16 The descendants of Jehonadab, son of Rechab, have obeyed their ancestor completely, but you refuse to listen to me. That's interesting. They they listened to a guy two hundred years ago. They don't even know him. They don't it wasn't recorded. It wasn't you know, it wasn't recorded on video or nothing. They, they don't have proof. Somebody told them, listen, this is what your great, great, great grandfather, he told you that you cannot drink wine and don't live in houses, don't plant crops, don't, plant, don't have vineyards, don't do nothing like that uh, and, and try to make it out. And I don't know how they lived. I don't know what they did. I have no idea. But they somehow they survived. And, and can you imagine, they, they, they obeyed. They obeyed a, a human leader. They obeyed human authority. A guy who told them 200 years ago, this is what you ought to do, and they did it. And God said, listen, Israel, take a le- le- learn from these people. How can Israel, he, he said, I sent you prophets. I sent you people. I sent you, uh, I sent you men of God that have told, that have spoken the word. They said it, and you refused to obey me. But these people, they listen to a guy. He's not perfect like God is. He is infallible he he ha, he makes mistakes and they listen to him why don't you listen to me and 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 god was he couldn't he couldn't understand it and he said listen you you people learn from 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 these rechabites israel take a lesson from they're not even part of israel they're not even uh they don't even belong to israel but yet they still listen to their ancestor why don't you listen to me and and it's and it's like us today you know we have the word of God. We have everything that we need to live a godly life. We have everything in the Bible we have, but yet we still somehow we find it difficult to obey God. Um, and and it, it really talks about obedience here. Obedience is the key word. And uh, in, in the Bible says obedience is better than sacrifice. And God, God loves obedience. And, you know, obedience is not, uh, it's not just blind, you, you just listen to someone blindly. Obedience, I believe, is, is you completely trust someone or something. You completely give into it and, and you, you obey it and you believe in it. And in, in, um, in, we read this, I believe it was uh, Wednesday, in Hebrews, it says, and who was it? This is Hebrews 
chapter 3, verse uh, 16 through 19. It says, And who was it who rebelled against God, even though they heard his voice? Wasn't it the people Moses led out of Egypt and who made God angry for 40 years? Wasn't it the people who sinned, whose corpse lay, corpses lay, dead, lay in the wilderness? And to whom was God speaking when he took an oath that they would never enter his rest? Wasn't it the people who disobeyed him? So we see that because of their unbelief, they were not able to enter into his rest. And, and obedience is something that God looks at. And obedience is what separated them. I believe obedience is fully believing in God. Obe- obeying God is fully obeying Him uh, and His Word. You know, some people, they obey God enough to go to church once a week. Some people obey God enough to, uh, to pray every now and then. Some people obey God to read the Bible. You know, it, uh, they, they believe, how much do we believe in God? How much do we really believe in God? Because a lot, everyone says they believe in God, but really, where is that belief founded on? You know, some people, they, they, they have enough, they believe in hell, Right? Like you ask anybody, do you believe in hell? Yeah, I believe in hell. Hell exists, of course. But how come they still live a life that, that's going to send them to hell? What's, you know, do they really believe in hell? Maybe they believe in it a little, a little bit, but maybe you know, not, not as much as they should. Or how much do we believe in God? Uh, how much do we really believe in Him? Uh, how much uh, do we, are we really willing to believe and accept his word because Israel, they couldn't accept his word. They, they understood God, but they still, they rebelled. They, they didn't have his word. It wasn't in their heart. It was far from them. And they knew, they heard God's voice, but they didn't listen to him. And, you know, there's a difference between hearing and listening. You know, it's like, you know, your mom says, did you hear what I said? And you're, you know, you're doing something, you're busy. You're like, yeah, yeah, I, I heard you, I heard you. But you didn't, you didn't really, you weren't listening. And that's why, you know, some people are like, did you listen to what I said? You, you, I know you heard me, but did you listen? You know, listening is you got to actually pay attention, stop what you're doing, and listen. And, and li- listen to it. And God says, is, he said, they, they heard my command. They heard me, but they didn't listen to me. They heard what I said. They heard it, but they did not listen to, to me. They, they didn't listen. And how many times do we hear God's word. We hear it in church. We've been in church a thousand times. We've been in church. We heard every message. We heard enough messages, you know, to build an ark. We heard enough word. We heard enough teaching. We, heard, we read the Bible enough. We, we've been there and, and we've heard it. But how come it's so hard for us to, to obey it? Because maybe it's because we're not really listening. We hear it, but we're not listening. We, we hear the word of God, but we're not really listening. And, and um, you know, it's like uh, when, when Jesus, when he was, when he was, uh, the Pharisees came up to him and they said, Jesus, show us a miraculous sign. And he said, no, I'm not going to give you anything. The only sign I'm going to give you is the prophet of Jonah. And he said, and listen, uh, he said that this, uh, how do you say it? He said that, uh, the Ninevites are going to stand up and judge this generation because they repented, uh, at, at the preaching of Noah, uh, of Jonah. Jonah, they say, he, he, uh, Jesus said, they repented. At one sermon, Jonah came in into Nineveh. Uh, it was a city that was full of wickedness. And Jonah came there after he got spit out by the whale. He came there and, and he, he started preaching, he came into the city. He started preaching and they heard his, his, they heard his command. And, and, you know, probably the king was, was sitting there and, and one of his attendants came in and he said, listen, there's a man outside. His name is Jonah and he's preaching and he's saying that we're going to be destroyed in 40 days unless we repent. If we don't repent, God's going to destroy us. 
in 40 days. And, and, and what did they do? They, 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 they started to repent and they fasted. Even the animals fasted in the city. And, and everyone, they, they repented before God and, and they humbled themselves and, and they repented. And Jesus, said, and Jesus said, this generation is going to be judged by Nineveh because they repented at one sermon. They heard one word. They heard one sermon from a guy that wanted them to die. And he, he told them that you guys are going to die in 40 days. He didn't even love them. And, 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 they, and, Je- and Jesus said, listen, they repented from one sermon from this guy. How are you, what about you? You have, you have the word. And Jesus was standing right in front of him. He said, you have me. And then later he said, he said about, uh, about the queen of Sheba. He said, listen, the queen of Sheba is going to judge you because she heard about Solomon. She heard about the wisdom of Solomon. One man that, that was, uh, one man that, that came, uh, that, that had wisdom. And, and, and the people, uh, maybe she, she was, you know, sitting in her kingdom. She was 1,500 miles away. And she heard it. And, and she heard about a man named Solomon. And he was wise. And, and, he, was, and he had something from God. And, and she heard about it. And, and she, she took her, half her kingdom probably. And she went to Israel to find a man named Solomon and, and hear his wisdom. And Jesus said, the queen of Sheba, she's going to judge you. Because she heard about a man named Solomon and she went to find his wisdom. But now you have someone greater than Solomon here and you refuse to, to, to believe it. And you know, we, what about us? You know, talk, talk about us, fast forward to us today. I believe these people are going to judge us as well. Because the Rechabites are going to judge this this Christianity today because they, they didn't even have a Bible. They didn't even have the truth, but yet they obeyed God completely with all their heart. And we have everything we need. We have more than enough. We've heard it. We've heard every message. We've heard everything that we'll ever need to hear, but yet we have a hard time of obeying God. The queen of Sheba, she, she heard about a man named Solomon. She heard about a human wisdom. She heard about human wisdom and she traveled all that way just to find it, just to hear it. And we have Jesus, we have the Word of God, we have the Holy Spirit, and yet we have a difficult time obeying it. We have a difficult time believing it and accepting it and obeying it. And I believe that those are the, the, the Ninevites, they're going to stand up and they're going to judge this Christianity today, our generation today. And they're going to say, wait a minute, we repented at one sermon. We repented at one word from, from Jonah. And, and why can't you repent? And, you know, the... the uh, the, the Rechabites, as we read further, it says in verse 17, uh, Therefore, this is what the Lord God of heaven's armies, the God of Israel, says, Because you refuse to listen or answer when I call, I will send upon Judah and Jerusalem all the disasters I have threatened. Then Jeremiah turned to the Rechabites and said, This is what the Lord of heaven's armies says. The God of Israel, uh, the Lord of heaven armies, the God of Israel says, You have obeyed your ancestor Jehonadab in every respect, following his instructions. Therefore, this is what the Lord of heaven armies, the God of Israel says Jehonadab, son of Rechab, will always have a descendant who served me. And this is the difference. You see, God tells Israel, He says, You did not, you refused to listen to me. And he said, that's, and therefore, I'm going to send disasters upon you. And he said, but you, Rechabites, you guys faithfully, you guys uh, obeyed your ancestor, Jehonadab, in every respect. And he said, you, therefore, uh, Jehonadab, son of Rechab, will always have descendants who serve me. That's a powerful promise. 
he said that to David. He said, he, he said David, someone is always going to be on the throne, uh, one of your descendants. That's a powerful promise. And God gave them a promise. They didn't even belong to Israel. They weren't even part of the Levite tribe. You know, they, they had all these customs that only Levites could serve before God. But here we see Rechabites, people that weren't even Israelites. And they're serving God. They're standing before God. And, and this is, this is a, a, what a powerful promise, uh, what a powerful blessing that they got. And see, this is what happens when, when we obey. There's a difference in the end. There's a, uh, like a separation. There's, God is going to separate. God is going to show uh, who serves God and who doesn't. And, and one to one, he's going to give his word. To one people, he's going to give his word. To the other, he won't. One, one person is going to get the, the, the blessing from God. One person is going to get uh, the word from God. One person is going to get uh, that what he needs, and another person will not. Uh, if we look at the, at the example of Samuel, he's, he's an example. Uh, if we turn to 1 Samuel 28, I'm sorry, not Samuel, but Saul. Uh, if you turn to 1 Samuel chapter 28, verse 4. 1 Samuel 28, verse 4. 1 Samuel 28, 4. It says, The Philistines set up their camp at Shunem, and Saul gathered all the army of Israel and camped at Gilboa. When Saul saw the vast Philistine army, he became frantic with fear. He asked the Lord, What should he do? But the Lord refused to answer him either by dreams or by, sacred lo- or by sacred lots or by the prophets. So, you know, Saul, he had a great start. I mean, he started off just per- like he had an awesome beginning. He was humble. And, you know, even when he was supposed to be crowned king, he was sitting, hiding in the luggage. And he was, he was a humble person. And he had such a great start. He obeyed God. And, and he, was, he was a man after God. And then something happened to him. Something, something happened. You know, we don't really know where, where it started. And, and you, we know that he, there was a moment where he didn't obey God. And Samuel's told him, don't sacrifice. Wait for me to come. And Saul said, he, you know, I don't see Samuel. He decided to sacrifice. And then Samuel shows up and he says, you know, you didn't obey me. So I'm going to take the kingdom away from you. And, and then later God told him to destroy uh, a, whole, a whole civilization, the, the Amalekites. And... and and so Saul does, he, he attempts to do it, but he leaves the best things for himself and he doesn't destroy them. And we see that somewhere along the journey, he started off great. Somewhere he, he went off and, and, and he, he didn't obey God with all his heart. And he, he wanted, you know, he wanted people to notice him and, and, and he cared about his image. And, and there's a lot of things. And who knows, maybe Saul, maybe that was a man that, that was going to, you know, that was going to be a king. Uh, and that God was going to bless him like he blessed David. We don't know. Maybe because God, God told us, he told Saul that he had great plans for him. And, and Saul here, he, he's in a bad position. He, he comes, um, there's, he's surrounded by an army. Or not surrounded, but he, he's, he's camped and he sees the Philistine army. And he sees that he's in a bad place. And he knows that if God doesn't speak, he knows if God doesn't do something, he's, he's done. He, he has no more chances. He's, he's, he's gone. And, and so he, he starts crying out. He says, God, where are you? God, I need an answer from you. God, please. And, and he says, he, he, 
he asked the Lord what he should do, but the Lord refused to answer him. So he started crying out. He says, God, please answer me. God, give me a word. I need a word. I need something from you. I need a word from you. And it says God refused. God didn't answer him either by by sacred laws or by prophets or by dreams. God did not answer Saul. And that's what happened is, is Saul, he needed to hear a word from God. But what happens when we, when we do not obey God, what happens is God does not listen to us. And in, in Zechariah, I'm just going to read this. This is uh, the seventh chapter, and I'm going to skip around, and I'm going to read a couple of the verses from the seventh chapter. If you want to read this later at home, it's Zechariah 7. It says, The Lord of heaven's army sent me this message in reply. Say to all your people and, and your priests, During these 70 years of exile, when you fasted and mourned in the summer and the early autumn, was it really for me that you were fasting? And even now, your whole, in your holy festivals, aren't you eating and drinking just to please yourself? And then verse 11, it says, Your ancestors refused to listen to this message. They stubbornly turned away and put their fingers in their ears to keep from hearing. They made their hearts as hard as stone so they could not hear the instructions or the messages that the Lord of Heaven's armies had sent them by His Spirit through the earlier prophets. That is why the Lord of Heaven's armies was so angry with them. Since they refused to listen when I called to them, I would not listen when they called to me, says the Lord of Heaven's armies. So he said, because they refused to listen to me, they said, he said, listen, they had, the, they had, they had a chance to, to listen to my voice. And he said, because they refused to listen to me, I will refuse to listen to them. And you see, that's what happens when, when we refuse to obey God, we refuse to listen to him. Uh, this, what happens is God, he refuses to listen to us when we need it the most. When we, you know, that Saul, he had an opportunity uh, he had a moment of, you know, it, it was either do or die. Either something good was going to happen or he was, or, or was going to die. And what happened was God refused to speak to him. God w- refused to give him any because Saul did not listen to God when he needed to. And because he did not obey God when he needed to obey him, God said, I'm not, I'm, I'm not going to answer him. And, you know, God, he spoke to the Rechabites, the people of Israel, they did not get God's blessing. They, they, got, his, they got his wrath. They, they had all the, all the things that God said would happen, happened to Israel. But to the Rechabites, they got a promise from God that they would always serve God. And, and God said, they will always be before me. And so, you know, we have, that's, that's you know, for us, we have, we have that option. Do we obey God? And when, when we talk about obey God, it means with everything. It means it means uh, you believe God. You you fully believe it. You fully believe Him. You fully trust Him. You don't trust on your own understanding. You don't trust in your own power. You don't trust uh, in your own abilities, or you don't trust in, in in your career, or or you know your own plans for your life. And and I know what I'm going to do. And you know when I, when I'm going to be when I'm going to leave high school, I'm going to do this, and then I'm going to do that. But God God is looking for someone that is fully trusting him and fully obeying him because you know we have everything that we need we have as you know we as our church and we hear you know we hear the word of God we hear a lot of good things we hear a lot of good messages and we heard everything that we need to hear we've heard everything that we'll ever need to hear we have we have all the teachings that we need but what we need to do is we need to obey these teachings and that's that's what happened was uh uh, with, with the Rechabites, what they did was they obeyed 
with, they, they fully trusted in God. They fully trusted in, in everything that, that, he, that he was going to do. They fully relied on him. And my question to us today, do we fully trust in God? Uh, do we fully trust in his word? Do we fully rely on his word? Is there, is, is there a part of us that, that fully just, is, is, do we, are our hearts uh, completely trusting and do we fully obey his word? Or is it just something that, that we don't really obey? Or is, it, is this kind of part of our, do we have a comfortable Christianity that, that, that takes no obedience, no faith? But God is looking for us to fully obey him. And I believe that's what's going to separate people. I believe that's what's going to separate uh, people from, from, you know, who fully obeys God, who fully uh, trusts in him, who fully, uh, they, they, they don't care about what other people are doing. They don't care about their future or, or you know, how the Rechabites, they didn't care what, what house they lived in. They didn't care if, if, they, had, if they had food. They were, they were willing to trust God fully and fully obey him. And we see today that that's, that's so difficult for us to do. We have a hard time fully obeying God. We, we're so caught up in, in the things of the world and, you know, in Facebook and, and you know, like I, I like Pastor's sermon, you know, about, you know, social media. We're so caught up in social media, so caught up in what's going on in the world and, and what people are doing and, and how people are dressing and, and, and all, all, all these things. But, but God says, if you obey, if you faithfully obey me, you will, you will have that, you will have that blessing on your life. You will have that blessing. And we have to, we have to make it up in our minds that we're going to fully obey his word and fully obey his commands. Let's stand up right now. And we're just going to close in prayer. And I want us just to think about where are our hearts, where are do, do we fully obey God? Are we fully obeying God? Is there something? Because all of us, you see, we know what we're not being obedient in God in. We know what we're not obeying God in. We know where our faults are. We know what are the things, uh, what are the thorns in, in, our, in our life that, that, that is taking our, our attention away from God? Or what are those thorns uh, that Jesus was talking about? What are the, what are the things that, 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 that take our focus off of God, the lure of wealth, the, the things of the world, the, the carries or the, the, the worries of this life. Uh, and, and we know what's in our hearts. We know what's stopping us from being fully obedient to God. We know, all of us, we know ourselves and we know what, what we're obedient in. We know what we're not obedient in. We know what we need to change and we know what, 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 what we've done so far. And, and God, God will not be mocked. And God, God knows our hearts. God knows our hearts. He knows our intentions. And He knows where we're headed. And He, he sees it all. And, and I just let's just come before God in prayer. And, and just with an open heart, just come before Him. And, and ask God if, just to cleanse us, to, to separate us to Him, to, to, to take those things that, that are not of Him, the, the idols, the strongholds, the things that that are taking our attention away from God. And, and let's just ask God so that we would not become like the rest of Israel, that, that they had those things and they walked away from God.